playlist with Ben and Fiona. It's as challenging as it is life-affirming, really. I think that's ultimately what you get from it. Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV shows here at SBS, and I'm joined by my co-host, SBS and SBS Viceland Channel Manager, Ben Nguyen. Hey, Ben. Hey, Fee. How's it going? Pretty good, thanks. Well, today we're in a technologically designated mood for love as we discuss a trio of shows imagining taking the next step in relationships, the new Made for Love on Stan and HBO Max, along with Soulmates on Amazon Prime and AMC and Netflix The One. Fee also speaks to Harry McQueen, the director of new melancholy relationship road movie starring Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth, Supernova. And we offer up our on-demand picks. Great, let's get into it. Sophie, it would be fair to say that you enjoy science fiction broadly. It would be fair to say, yes, I'm in a very sci-fi loving household. So uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'll buy osmosis, I have to. (laughs) And relationship dramas more broadly. Correct. So, well, well, so I, I guess, you know, the thing that, that makes science fiction interesting, at least I think so, is when it takes a look at something that's happening in our culture, something that is a kind of anxiety within our current society and then uses the artifice of looking into our future as a way of reflecting back on the culture that we're in now. And I'm sure dating and relationships if you were just to sort of jump back, you know, kind of five, ten years ago and look at how people are connecting with one another over apps on their phone and, you know, that would seem like a bizarre science fiction moment, yeah, I would to, say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the idea of any of any of the apps um, nowadays, yeah, that, that would have made a great speculative fiction about dating, like you say, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that it's probably not surprising that a number of creators of television series are kind of looking at relationships and technology and how the two sort of may interrelate into the future. And probably a big influence on this is Black Mirror that I think is kind of the go-to reference when we're talking about technologically influenced dark sides of the future. Yeah, totally, especially given each episode is about something completely different. So there are so many potential lifting off points that each could be a series that (laughs) then Black Mirror is, of course, going to get referenced all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And so these three shows, I would say, I would say that they wouldn't exist without Black Mirror. But what they do is they take a premise of a, a kind of single piece of technology and then sort of build a narrative or in one case sort of separate individual narratives across episodes around that. So Made for Love, which is this new series out on Stan starring Kristen Milioti, um, who we've seen recently on Palm Springs, and uh, Billy Magnuson, who's one of those actors that is just in everything. Yeah. I couldn't really (laughs) put my finger on a specific thing I know him from, but he's got a very recognisable face. Yeah, yeah, I just saw him in an episode of The Leftovers, which is sort of something that I'm 
catching up on <laughs> sort of also a kind of slightly um, science fiction premise. Yeah. Um, and he did a few episodes in People vs. O.J. Simpson as... Uh, Kato Kalin? Exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So he's got one of those, anyway, he's got a very punchable face. <laughs> um, and I think, like, he leans into these sort of asshole roles totally. pretty well. Which brings us to Mate for Love. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the premise here is that his, Billy Magnuson's character, who has the, the surname Gogol, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but he's a bit of a... Um, like I think a bit of an Elon Musk-esque yeah. kind of tech genius, but, you know, he's been blessed with this sort of innovative mind but not so much with his ability to relate to those people around him. Mm. Um, but he has formulated a technology um, that he's, it's really sort of I guess in pretty early stages, but the the concept is that, you know, if you could bring Two people who love each other even closer, would that not be a great thing? So why not install chips in your brain that allow you to witness everything that your loved one is witnessing all of the time? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, thereby sort of removing that last wall in between you. Yeah. <laughs> why not indeed? <laughs> I think the show sort of probably... You know, I, I think sort of oversells the premise a little bit. I, I think there's there's some sort of ideas, which is interesting, like, you know, what if you could read your loved one's mind and, and just remove that, that barrier of privacy mm. between two people in a romantic relationship. Mm. But what it really does is sort of spin this out into a bit of a kind of thriller chase storyline where his wife, played by Kristen Milioti, she gets the chip put in her brain Without um, her consent. Without her consent, yeah. yeah um, decides that this is not what she wanted. She's not happy in this relationship that she's been living with this guy in a kind of virtual reality cube for a year. Ten years. Ten years? Yes. Wow, I, that, it, it flew by <laughs> <laughs> on, on, during my take of it. But yeah. no, no, yeah, okay. So, like, all this time has passed and she finally decides to make her escape back into the real world. Yes. Um, so it's, and she decides all that without even knowing the chips in her head. Like he, he sort of springs on her that he's going to do this mm. um, and she wants out but then realises it's already there. So he sees her escape. This is all in episode one. That's fine. <laughs> like it's not a huge spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's the opportunity that she can reconnect with her, you know, 10 years as I now understand. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it, it, the, these plot points are now a lot more clearer to me. Um <laughs> The, her father, who she's become estranged by, played by Ray Romano. Because um, so this is based on a novel, and I am interested in the way that this plays out, will play out over this the season, whether there are multiple ways into the way that people have relationships mm. and romantic relationships to do with technology. Mm. Because her her father is in a type of relationship himself with a piece of technology which is a sort of real doll that has sort of seemingly kind of replaced her mother um, who we sort of see in some flashbacks to her kind of earlier in life. Mm. Yes, and that's the thing. So I've only seen the first two episodes of this. So, yeah, both of the male characters have really warped (laughs) ideas of relationships in that, you know, her husband Byron 
wants to subsume, well, you know, has no concept of privacy and wants to merge with her really. So that's his idea of a close relationship. And her father doesn't want a human partner, so doesn't want anyone who engages with him at all. So it's it's kind of like the two extremes, but they're the two main male characters in this. Um, And then in the middle of it is... (laughs) Is this woman trying to make sense of all of it? Christine Milioti has fantastic eyes that really get used yeah. to excellent effect here. <laughs> Very yeah. wide-eyed performance. Yeah, yeah, and she really has to carry the show, yeah. and I and I think she does it very successfully. And I, um, you know, I sort of feel like her career is starting to blossom, and and we're seeing her in more roles. I sort of hadn't really seen her in all that much sort of before Palm Springs. But certainly, you know, she's got these huge um, Disney character-like eyes that are, you know, the, the windows into her soul. And I think that the fact that she looks so adorable um, allows her to play, you know, these quite scathing, abrasive characters in a way that she can get away with because we're sort of just immediately drawn into her point of view. And I think that that's what this show does well. I I sort of have read, I haven't read the novel, but I've read that the novel is very funny Mm -hmm. and sort of just like a very, you know, a bit of a sort of wild ride. It's hard to sort of say whether this technology is really just a bit of a jumping off point for this, you know, what seems sort of fairly enjoyable so far, bit of a thrill ride or whether that thematically will get further developed. It doesn't really feel like it is sort of from what I've seen, but there's more episodes to come. Yeah, true. And, I mean, the the nods it does have to the technology and the winky fact that his name is Gogol and mm. it's all, yeah, it's all right. It's just <laughs> smart. Um, yeah, I, I'm... I'm keen to see. I, I, I'll watch more. And they're quite short episodes, aren't they? They're sort of only half an hour each yeah, of them. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's there for a good time, not a long time, which I think is good. I think it may outstay its welcome if each episode was an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'll give it a shot. So that's out now on Stan, the first three episodes and then more episodes rolling out weekly mm-hmm. and on HBO Max in the US. And I do think it's an interesting strategy. I guess we're sort of HBO Max is still a relatively new service, probably made a lot of headlines predominantly for the fact that Warner Brothers theatrical features have all sort of um, in the US found a home on the service rather than cinemas. But I think their original strategy I'm finding quite interesting because The Flight Attendant was a show that was made for HBO Max, which I think you got into last year. Yeah, I did, yeah. And the um, Anna Kendrick series Love Life was also made for the service. And it's just you know, I guess sort of as a TV watcher, um, an industry watcher, I think it's interesting what they're choosing to launch on the HBO, you know, premium brand itself and then on the streaming extension HBO Max. And it does seem to be a lot of these stories driven by young female characters. And, you know, if they feel like these are the kind of shows that don't kind of tick the premium HBO box but have an audience. I mean, I think that's only a good thing that they're choosing to make series like this. Mm. Yep. I did want to just call out a couple more of these series that are playing with these ideas around technology and relationships, particularly Soulmates, which launched last year um, on AMC in the US, Amazon Prime, everywhere else in the world. Um, 
And the premise here is that you can have a test done, log all your personal information in with this particular company, and they can, with complete certainty, match you with your soulmate, the person that you're meant to be with in the world. And that person may be someone who has already completed the test themselves and therefore they can provide an intro between you. Or that person may not have done the test yet and so that it may be years from now that you sort of get a, you've forgotten you've even taken the test and then 20 years down the track you get contacted and they say, oh, by the way, your soulmate took the test and here (laughs) they are. And what's interesting about it, so, so this is an anthology series and each episode tells a different story with a different perspective. And I think this is more embedded in the ramifications of what this technology would be like. Because of course, I guess it plays on that feeling for everyone who's been in a long-term relationship when there's patches where things aren't working and you might question, is this person actually the person I'm meant to be with? Even that whole idea of, is there a person, you know, the one? one. Yeah. 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 And I guess that kind of anxiety around, am I with the person I'm meant to be with in my mm-hmm. life? Obviously, what the existence of a test like this does is, um, so the first episode, for example, is played by two characters, um, um, played by Sarah Snook and Kingsley Benadir, who really happily married with kids. But because there is this test, they start to question, you know, should I take the test? Like, surely if I take the test... It's just going to show that, like my my husband is the is my soulmate because I know that, right? But but do I know that? And and just how that starts to play on your anxieties and neuroses mm. about the relationship you're in. I think sometimes these anthology sort of one off episodes are kind of hard to buy into because at the end of that episode, I was like, well, I I want to see more of this couple. I want to mm. know where this their story is going, but. I'm never going to find out um, because we're on to, you know, the next story and the different ways in which this technology can be used. But I think it's an interesting science fiction take on relationships. Mm. And it's better to leave you wanting more as well. Yeah. <laughs> so if it digs into, well, they are soulmates. Why? Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's not the ending of that particular uh, setup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And in there's other episodes where, you know, for example, someone takes the test and and discovers that they've got, you know, a soulmate somewhere else, but then their partner sort of says, well, you know, we could just extend this relationship. Mm. We could just add another person. Why don't we try that? Mm. And, you know, there's also um, an episode with a character being blackmailed because someone's allegedly sort of hacked the system and and oh. found out their secrets. With So so anyway, there's, um, uh, you know, it's very much that kind of short story take on yeah. drama with the, the self-contained storylines. But worth checking out. And... I did discover this. So there is another series. <laughs> You've really gone down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> on, um, on Netflix, there is a series called The One with a very similar premise that there's a company and you can send off a strand of your hair and they will use DNA testing to tell you who is the person you're meant to be with. Mm. It's based on a book that some people on the internet claim that soulmates sort of stole the premise oh, of. Right. But I think... 
to me, it's less successful. It, uh, it's from Howard Overman, um, who SBS viewers might be familiar with from the recent adaptation of War of the Worlds. Um, so he sort of seems to be, as a writer, kind of um, you know ploughing his trade with uh, some of these sci-fi adaptations. But this series, the story engine becomes a murder mystery rather than the actual technology itself, um, which becomes a bit of a backdrop to this other story. So I think that um, to me it's less successful in exploring the premise, even if it was, you know, the source of the premise in the first place. Yeah. Okay. And that one's on Netflix. What What are they all again? Let's... Yes. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> From the top. It's uh, Made for Love is, is out now on Stan in Australia and Soulmates is on Amazon Prime and The One is on Netflix. <laughs> all your platforms have a technological sci-fi love story mashup. Yeah, look what Black Mirror did. Yeah, right. Well, Christine Melody was in a Black Mirror, wasn't she? Yes, mm. the, the one with Jesse Plemons where he was sort of creating this Star Trek sort of world for himself, um, which was a very good episode. Well, and Palm Springs itself had a sci-fi twist. Yeah. So, yeah, look, she's made quite a career out of it. Good luck to her. <laughs> Um, and Fee, you checked out a love story of a different kind um, in the film Supernova. Yes. Um, this one's more of an analogue love story, um, lifelong partnership. I think they're married, actually. Um, yeah, the couple is uh, Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth, and they have just that shorthand of a long time couple and they play off each other and just finish each other's sentences and whatnot. Um, and they're on a road trip. They've got a camper van um, going to some of their favourite spots across the UK. Um, and there's a, a very sad undertone to this because they're doing, making this trip because Stanley Tucci's character um, has dementia and, and it's becoming far more um, apparent and he expresses a desire to end his life at some point, which, you know, obviously doesn't sit well with <laughs> with his partner, Colin Firth, who mm. is there for the long haul and, you know, is, is going to support him through it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a road trip movie and that whole the whole journey is a metaphor of a relationship, you know, obviously. Um, they're on the journey together. And, yeah, it's it's beautiful. They, they play off each other, like, really well. It's gorgeous. Great. Yeah, and you had a chance to speak with... Harry McQueen, the director of Supernova. Let's have a listen. Harry McQueen, thank you for joining us on the playlist and congratulations on the film. It's it's really special. Thanks very much. That's really kind of you, thanks. Uh, I'm curious, though, you're telling a story about men who are considerably older than you, from what I can gather, and they're coping with, you know, early-onset dementia. I wondered, do you have a personal connection to the subject is that is that why you chose to tell this story well the film the 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 subject matter kind of arrived at me in a way um I, I was working with a lady who had young onset dementia although it hadn't been diagnosed at that point and I worked with her for around about a year and watched her change quite a lot during that period of time and then subsequently she she got diagnosed and, and a year or two later had, had sadly passed away. So that kind of inspired me to learn more about dementia and specifically young onset dementia, which is what she had. She was in her fifties. And so I really just spent a lot of time in that world. And from that came this kind of story, but it, it started 
as a personal thing, uh, as a you know something that I was just fascinated by and, and moved by, uh, and a sort of a, an idea for a film came quite a lot later, you know, inspired by all of that, um, all of those people I'd met. Yeah, and um, for the people you met, those with in relationships, you know, sort of looking at that dynamic, sort of what did you pick up from the change in dynamic, particularly as, as it took hold? Oh, loads of things. It's 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 fascinating um, watching that happen. And and I spent with several couples and families that uh, you know I'm still very much you know involved in their lives and stuff. You know, I spent a lot of time with them. You know, and and watched it firsthand over the course of years. And you really do see how relationships change, how love evolves in under those conditions. And I think it's. Um, well, hopefully just as the film is, it, it's as challenging as it is life-affirming, really. I think that's ultimately what you get from it. You know, of course, a lot of very granular things have to change about how you live your life and what, you know, what what's around the house, you know, how how you change that stuff. And that's really interesting too, obviously. But how, how love is the push and pull that dementia brings to, to love and and how and how you know someone and what you know of someone as they change is um is is completely fascinating and beautiful as well as you know heartbreaking frankly yeah, yeah. yeah i bet um yeah. and the subject of alzheimer's and like you say the impact on memory and erasing memories is ripe for storytelling for the screen you know there's there's quite a few films around but the nature of the relationship here is different you know like it, it's it's very rare that it's a same-sex partnership dealing with with Alzheimer's um yeah did that feel like you're breaking new ground here in 2021 <laughs> uh well I'm sorry to say that it did in 2021 feel like I was breaking new ground yeah I mean like that's the honest answer I think I think you don't, well, I think first of all, you don't often see stories told, same-sex stories told about people at this stage of life. I think that's that's it, that's a, that's one of the ways in which it's quite an original take on it. And also there don't tend to be a huge amount of stories, certainly not films told, uh, same-sex stories in which the sexuality of the characters is, you know, for want of a better way of putting it, irrelevant to the story. It's very relevant to them, of course, and their lived experience as characters. But it's not talked about in the film, as you'll know. You know, no one mentions it. It's just, you know, I think that felt like a bit revelatory. Yeah, to be honest. Um, and it's strange and, and funny to think that it should be or is, I think, a little bit. Um, but I'm really glad that we've made a film that frames this relationship in that way. Um, I'm really proud of doing that, actually, because the way that it's been received by the LGBTQ plus community across the world has been just so beautiful and, and inspiring. You know, the, the film is playing in massive cinemas in the middle of Moscow, you know, and I think like that's important stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah that that's no small thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and especially the fact that they're shorthand as a couple, like, um, you know, we only really, there are no flashbacks when we don't see them fall in love. It's just, they are, and they're facing a different frontier yeah. in their relationship. But, um, how did you uh, work on the intimacy and getting that shorthand of that long, long time couples have with each other? Well, we were, we worked really hard at that. Cause I, I, like you say, I think that's like an essential part of the film, really. I think if you're making something that isn't isn't using those cinematic devices of flashback or whatever, or is, you know, and it isn't, doesn't take place over a long period of time. You're just plonking the audience into this relationship and saying, you know, believe it, please. You know, I 
but you have to like get all of that right because it's the it's the subtle nuances that that give everything away i think in that world and like how you sit with your with someone you're comfortable with in in silence you know all of those things are really important and they're different you know depending on how tightly bound you are as a as a relationship so obviously colin and stanley as you know have known each other for 20 years and and they you know totally adore each other that's the honest truth of it and i think that certainly helps it helps in lots of ways firstly and very like obviously they don't have to get to know each other like all of that stuff that you have to do on film sets sometimes you didn't have to do and they're comfortable with each other that that tr- like trust is everything when you're creating something like this you know when you're collaborating in this way and they trust each other implicitly so that's all there I think then the job becomes separating their real life love and relationship from the characters in the situation. And, and that's quite difficult. And you have to work quite hard at doing that to not fall into the, you know, what might be lazy traps of playing your own relationship, which they, you know, never do in the film, which is, you know, takes a lot of work, actually. Mm, yeah. And just on the casting, you know, they're both excellent in their roles, um, of course, but just wondering with representation being such a consideration now um you know that they're both straight men and and I'm curious whether you considered casting gay actors to play these roles how did you navigate that yeah 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 of course yeah I mean I think well I think the really important thing is that as a director you your door is open and the to everyone and the playing field is as level as it possibly can be I think that like that's your duty as a director you know in everyone you're hiring not just the actors involved but I think I would say that Colin and Stanley are, in my view, probably the only people that could have played these roles. I mean, there's very specific casting brackets that they have to fit into. And to be honest, not a huge amount of actors do that anyway, um, certainly for, for films of this scale. Um, and they've known each other for 20 years. And I think you, as a filmmaker, you can't deny that that's not a very important part of the of the process and if you're presented with that then um you know i think you've got to you've got to go with it but i do think it's important that projects that films i think it's a film by film conversation really because i think what is really the most important thing for me is that is the project as a whole and is the char- are the characters being treated with integrity and with like compassion and grace or whatever and i think that's certainly what what we we strove to do with this and certainly what con and stanley did with the characters so i think that ultimately maybe is 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 where we you know the the side that we fell on really Mm, yeah no and it's beautiful they totally believe they're a couple um is it true they were originally going to play the opposite role like that they've they've switched yeah yeah Yeah, that was true Yeah, yeah yeah but um it was very early on in the process that we made the the swap but yeah, I appro- we approached Stanley first of all, and he, you know, just loved the script and really wanted to get involved. And then he suggested Colin because because it's because it's Colin and they're best mates. And I and I didn't know any of that information at the time. Um, and Colin fell in love with the script, and that all happened very quickly. And then a couple of weeks into it, I think Colin was sort of the first person to mention it to Stanley. Sort of said, "Can we just like have a chat about maybe?" whether we're playing the right parts because I always read your part and I, my part, and I sort of feel a bit like it's you and whatever. So they brought this, they brought that to me and we then sort of just sort of rehearsed it and auditioned. So we basically just, I sort of auditioned them both for each role. And, you know, and it was very quickly, very apparent that 
well, they were they were brilliant at both roles, I should point out. But there's something about the energy of the characters or whatever that meant that I think this way around is absolutely the, the way to do it. So, yeah, that's how it fell together in the end, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, you know, you, you're you an actor too. You've got the acting acting training. Does, how does that sort of help when you're directing of them and, um, like, what, what was the directing process like other than <laughs> managing the switch of roles? <laughs> Uh, it, well, it, it really helps, like undeniably, really, because like I said before, you know, that it's all about trust, this stuff. And they trusted me very quickly as a director, I think perhaps in part because I've done more acting than I have directing by quite a long way. And I think they knew that I was someone that would be obviously in tune with them as performers and how you get into character and and what space you need and what time, you know, what you need, the vocabulary of what you need as an actor. I think that's always going to be there because that's my training. So it really, it really helps that stuff. So, yeah. And, and it was also just fascinating as a actor myself to watch those two guys work and everyone else in the film, obviously, but um, you know, how that, how they work, what their process is. I think, you know, it's fascinating to watch that stuff. And are they, do they have different processes? Like do, do you have to work differently with each? Yes. Slightly, yeah. I mean, I, well, I think every actor has a different process. That's the that's the truth of it. But um, yeah, I think you know, Stanley is very. He's, uh, I guess, probably like a little bit more. Well, what's the word, best way of putting it? Um, uh, like in the moment and reactive, responsive. Whereas Colin is that too. I think he, but he gets that from a lot a, a period of um, like intense research and interrogation of the script and that kind of stuff so they both come to this place of of real aliveness um on set you know from different from in different ways which is yeah which is interesting to watch mm. and there's a scene uh like fairly early on when um when colin goes looking for stanley and we see what plays out through the through the van rather than like we don't hear the chat really we just watch watch them you know yeah, from, yeah. from within the van you know the scene I mean you shot it yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah I'm just curious on the choices there and and kind of the way the way you show these big emotional moments for a couple but at, for us as spectators um yeah just kind of like the the, the choices in in showing particular scenes well I think in part it goes it sort of ties into the kind of film maker that I'm interested in being you know I think it's being like quiet and reserved about how you build drama is really interesting especially when you know you, you can then it gives you somewhere to go I think that's the first thing if you're building to sort of a dramatic crescendo I think it's nice to sit back a little bit as an audience and just allow it to happen I also think there's just a like constantly avoiding melodrama I think was was the thing that I was really interested in doing with a film like this because I mean, I'm not like melodrama has its place, but certainly not like in this. And partly the reason for that is because it, it has really come from like, you know, really human stories that I've been part of. And I think you just want to constantly try and make it as grounded and as realistic in that world as you possibly can. And I think that sort of extends to how you put the film together. Um, I think it'd be very easy to make a film about this subject matter that was that was melodramatic. Yeah. And that's not to say it would be about a, a better or worse film, but like, I think that's not what I wanted to do with it. I think it was much more like just spending time with people and this relationship was more important than like pushing those buttons. Certainly at that point in the film. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and of course the plate, the setting and the idea of the, the journey of the, 
of literally them on the road, but also them as a couple. Um, the the setting of the Lakes District, um, you know, I've, I've not been there, but um, yeah, so can you talk us about that place and and shooting there as well, and what how evocative that that looks on screen? Yeah, well, you should go. It's it's really really beautiful place. Um, it be a while before I can get there, I think <laughs> the way the world is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's a place that actually weirdly not a huge amount of filmmaking takes place. I'm not quite don't know the reason for that really, but it's it's staggeringly beautiful and it's a place I know really well. I've got some family that live up there. So I was kind of writing it whilst I was visiting them at times and like just being inspired by the landscape, you know, as you can't help but not be when you're like up there. So that was really important. And I think when you're making a road movie, you know, the the literal journey, of course, mirroring the metaphorical journey, emotional journey is um is is interesting. And I was most focused on trying to portray this contained intricate little relationship in a massive context I mean literal context you know in terms of the the scenery I think there's something like a bit us against the world about that which I think is really interesting in a a story like this because you've got someone that is dealing with his mortality uh, directly in this instance and he's surrounded by you know the the vastness and the beauty and and actually the brutality too of 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 nature and and the world and I think that that felt like that felt quite profound actually when we were doing it and we were making it Sh- shooting there was um, really great and and you know it's an amazing part of the world it's not hugely easy to like make to <laughs> to make a road trip movie in in like in on tiny country lanes in the middle of nowhere that's not that easy especially with Colin driving um but uh but it, it was amazing no, it's, it's a beautiful place to spend time and I think that really helps with the atmosphere on set you know we were all in the middle of nowhere living with each other basically so makes a difference yeah okay um and when was this shot was this all pre Mm. <laughs> yeah, we were really lucky. It was we filmed it in um, September and October 2019, so that was way before. And then we just finished just finished the editing process before, like literally days before the first lockdown in the UK. So that really important chunk of work had been done in in normal life, as it were, and the rest of it then had to be done in the middle of everything, which has been um, an interesting experience, but we were lucky. But I mean, funny enough, ironically, it was probably the perfect COVID shoot anyway, because like I say, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were keeping ourselves to ourselves, you know. <laughs> Look for a lot of uh, camper van movies <laughs> in the Lakes District, I guess. That's people the work with um, COVID bubbles. Um, <laughs> and speaking of... Um, COVID, I guess we've, we like to ask um, our guests what they've been watching and, um, you know, I guess we've all had a lot more time to watch things lately, yeah. but what, what have you been watching lately? Well, I've been working quite a lot, so uh, not as much as I would like to have watched, um, but I've caught up on um, as many of the movies that are coming out now or would have come out at the cinema, you know, had they been open in, in the little, last little periods. So I've, I've watched quite a lot of the those big big movies, which has been great. Um, and actually I've like gone back and watched a lot of old telly, 
old TV. So lots of the old classics. I was rewatching the original Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy the other day, you know, just like lots of things. I think what's great is that at the moment there's just so much of everything. It's there's, there's an incredible amount of choice in what, you know, what you can access, which is, you know, good in some ways and, you know, debatable in other ways, but you know, it's, it's all there if you want it. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a little intimidating. Um, and, and you're working, are are you, have you got new projects on the go that you can talk Uh, about? Yeah. I'm doing just writing another film at the moment and um, a couple of TV projects that are, I think about to start happening. Um, I'm trying to sort of work it out is the honest answer. Yeah. I'm sort of fascinated to know what I get the chance to make next and, and when it happens. But, um, yeah, in the meantime, just, um, vicariously loving seeing the film come out in all these great countries that you know I unfortunately can't visit yeah <laughs> like wonders of zoom though like it's still good to have a <laughs> have yes. the chat we might have had in person if you've been out here but yeah no it's um it's shrunk the world in a little bit in a way yeah. um yeah no congratulations it's great that it that it is getting to cinemas um where that's possible um it's really it's, it's really lovely so thank you so much for your time it's lovely to meet you thanks Fiona really nice to meet you too and thanks for the kind words So that was Harry McQueen, the writer-director of Supernova, starring Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci, and that's out in cinemas now. Fee, why don't we end this show with a couple of picks of what people should be looking forward to on SBS On Demand? Yeah, let's. Do you want to go first? All right, I'll go first. Well, I'm going to call out a show which is launching a little later in the month on April 21st. So it's a little bit of a preview of what's to come, but it's a British drama called Deadwater Fell and it's starring David Tennant, which everybody knows, um, particularly from Broadchurch and also his stint on Doctor Who, the Scottish actor, and Kush Jumbo, who people have probably seen maybe a little less as a character acting in her native Britain, but yeah. but maybe a little more in The Good Wife and The Good Fight, of which uh, she has sadly now departed um, so that she can work more in her home country. So this is a little four-part thriller set in Scotland in a small town, and it's very much one of those dramas where, you know, there's a lot of unspoken secrets between the townsfolk that begin to emerge over the episodes. And it really kicks off with an incredible tragedy in the first episode where there's a house fire in the home where David Tennant lives with his wife and two young daughters. And sadly, he is the only survivor of that fire. And we begin, I'm not going to give anything away because it it really, the, the pleasure of this series is in kind of coming up with mm. the the theories and trying to solve the mysteries of this case yourself as a viewer. But we begin to understand that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes than this town was aware of in terms of this picture-perfect family mm. that, you know, sort of uh, have met this, you know, tragic end. So um, that's certainly one for people to keep a look out for on SBS On Demand. Oof, sounds very good. Deadwater fell. Deadwater fell, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go somewhere completely different again. Um, mine's a movie and it's Support the Girls. So it's a American indie comedy, yeah, comedy drama 
directed by Andrew Pajalski, but with a fantastic lead performance by Regina Hall. And she plays the manager of a sports bar. It's called Double Whammies. Um, and it, like it, it's of the Hooters kind of mould. Like the, the waitresses wear kind of skimpy tops and hot pants. And she's the manager. So like she runs a tight ship, but she's very empathetic with her staff and deals with any handsy clientele. You know, and she demands respect of the staff and, and there's a lot of empathy and just a team dynamic. You know, she loves the girls and mm. it, they return the favour. So people love working there because she's the manager, really. Like, it's, it's a good vibe there. Um, but anyway, this all takes place, the movie's all set over the course of a pretty bad day for Regina Hall. Like, she, as I, I, I won't go into all the details, but, yeah, there's a multitude of issues that come her way that she has to deal with at work and her family life some of her staff members, etc. There's just a lot of affection in the whole way the story's told and um, just nice, nice, I'm killing it with faint praise, but um, <laughs> like it is nice and that's a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah, we the all whole need vibe a bit of nice is, yeah, exactly. in our um, lives sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, and you really do walk in the shoes. Like there's a really energetic vibe to it that's fun, but, yeah, at its core it's, it is nice <laughs> and that's not me trying to um Put that on it. the poster. Exactly. <laughs> it's nice, but it is. Um, Did I say it was nice? Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> I'm really not explaining it very well. I thought it was very good and I think you would like it too. Support yeah. the girls. Awesome. <laughs> Plenty to check out. Yes. Fantastic. Well, I feel like we've managed to cover a lot. Yes. And that might be it for our show. Yeah. So, sadly, uh, we have nothing left for you, but you can subscribe to SBS The Playlist wherever you get your podcasts and give us a lot of stars and leave a nice review because it helps other people to find it. And you can let us know what you thought of the movies and TV shows we discussed on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. And I'm on Twitter at Ben Nguyen TV. And I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. And The Playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.